stargazers. Welcome to 7th House Astrology, where I explore the um, aspects, the planets, or a particular topic using the lens of Sinistry Astrology, otherwise known as Relationship Astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misek. So I don't know about you guys, but I have been feeling the effects of Uranus conjunct the moon transitory wise, our current uh, position of Uranus and the moon, as well as its square with Saturn, uh, it's Mars, as well as Venus. A lot of planets there, uh, definitely a, a ton of planets there, but um the way I've been feeling it um, lately is that with Uranus conjunct the moon, it seems like everyone's emotional tenor has been rather erratic due to Uranus's influence. So again, the moon being representative of emotions, being representative of our, our, our inner natures. And then, of course, Uranus being representative of our quirks, our you know, social opinions, our awakening when it comes to social opinions and sociological opinions, as well as just erraticism. Um, so I'm seeing a lot of erratic moods lately, a lot of grouchiness, a lot of grumpiness. And then to square Uranus with Saturn, Saturn being a little, you know, that planet of restriction and also that planet of challenges as well, too. Again, I, I just feel like there's a definite frustration point. It's like everybody's trying to communicate or they're trying to express themselves and they're finding a lack of motivation or they're hitting that wall. It's the same thing with the conjunction. So Saturn conjunct Mars right now where Mars definitely is, as we've mentioned, it's that energy planet. I would say right now when it comes down to motivation, seems like everyone's been hitting a wall as well too. And then, of course, Venus being right in the middle of all this, also being conjunct Saturn, being the social planet as well too, it just seems to be that the frustration of the lack of motivation just seems to be coming out socially as well too. So there's been quite a bit going on up in the heavens lately. And um, what I would just say is, I think this would be a great time to just kind of give everybody some space, just kind of give everybody some room, give everyone the benefit of the doubt, especially if there's frustrations going on. And if you are in the midst of that pressure cooker, that frustrations, like you're lacking motivation, if you're anything like me and you're lacking the motivation or you're lacking a lot of energy and you're just like kind of hitting up on walls, I know uh, myself, I've also had hit, I've hit a couple of walls, mental blocks lately as well, too, where I'm just, it just seems like I'm hitting the plexiglass wall all the time. It's completely, as I said, this too shall pass. This is all just kind of completely what's going on up. Uh, so as above, so below. But it's, I've have found even with my lack of motivation, lack of energy, that this is a great time to actually meditate if you are into that. 
I am particularly fond of mudra meditation. I've been finding that very helpful lately as well, too, especially since this lack of motivation, the fact that also technology has been really messing up on me lately. If I actually blame Uranus on that one, um, you know, again, that Uranus squared, I just, I blame Uranus on that regard, but, you know, having technology just mess up on me as well too has caused a lot of stress. So, you know, again, like as, as I mentioned, mudra meditation is very good meditation in general, or just anything where you can just kind of step back, kind of see the overall fray, see what's going on and then fix accordingly. Um, and just also being able just to step back and take a deep breath um, because it looks like we're in a very tense transit right now. You know, like I said, despite the uh, position of Neptune and Jupiter being right outside of Pisces at this time and having that influx of intuition or that intuitive energy there just seems to be a lot of, you know, like I said, just a lot of tension points, especially between the planets mentioned. So again, um, definitely just either if you're in that, definitely take a step back. Or if you are dealing with people with that, like I, I've had to give a lot of people some room just today alone. Now, if you're also feeling that conjunct moon, the Uranus conjunct moon situation, you feel like you're kind of awkward or you're kind of an outcast right now, or there's just erratic energy, erratic emotions, so they're just popping up out of nowhere, this too shall pass. Um, I'm telling you by tomorrow it should pass because by that point, the moon will move from Taurus into Gemini. So uh, there will definitely be a definite shift inwardly wise, and you won't have that tension with Uranus for much longer, which is, that's actually some good news. And that's always the good news about the moon and its fast gravitational pull, as well as its fast movement throughout the the, the astrology wheel. So stargazers, since we had last well, I don't want to say we had last. I'm sorry. I'm kind of, I'm kind of stuttering tonight. So again, there's that, there's that tension effect from all those planets. So since we had finished the houses within astrology, I had actually covered the 12th house. It's about two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. So if you guys have not checked out that episode, definitely do. It's a very informative one. Uh, definitely very informative. It really opened my eyes when it came down to the research. But we had actually completed all the houses and all the archetypes of the houses. So we kind of, we definitely completed the foundation work when it comes down to sinistry astrology. The next phase that I'm thinking of, along with the planets, is encompassing the angles, which I think are equally important when it comes to astrology. And those angles impart a load, load of lessons. And you guys may have heard some of the angles and the names of the angles already. And you probably in the last couple of weeks have wondered, it's like, what is she talking about when she states 
you know, the, the moon trined the sun or the moon sextile the sun or, you know, that Harry Hamlin Saturn is squared Lisa Rinna sun Mercury conjunction and, and those conjunctions. I still don't understand what she means by conjunctions. Even though she explains it, it's like, what, what on earth? Well, you are not alone, stargazers. I completely hear you out. Those angles or those specific angles that I had mentioned can be very tricky and they can be really tricky to understand. Uh, but what I hope to endeavor with the angles is that I kind of clarify a little bit for you when it comes to the relations of the planets, you know, between the planets in which that's what the angles in a sinistry chart really tend to do. And like I said, it uncovers loads, loads of lessons, which is always, always wonderful. And that's what the the show's all about is what can we learn when it comes to sinistry astrology and what can we take with us when it comes to relationships as well. But for this week, I'd like to kick off on that new adventure that we are endeavoring. So there's one nice thing that's come about from this week, despite all these tension planets. So with that said, I had spoken a lot about squares earlier between Uranus and Saturn and Mars, as well as Venus. So actually, I felt like that was an apropos place to start would be squares in Sinistry Astrology. So uh, stargazers, one thing I just want to say is it does get a little technical this week. I'm hoping that I do break down the technicalities into bite-sized pieces for you so that you guys can follow along. So if you are looking at, say, your natal chart or you're looking at a sinistry chart between you and your hubby or you and your boyfriend or you and your significant other, you know, you can easily kind of follow along or pause and take a look at what that square looks like. So I have the technical version, and then I also have the easier version, like what I use to calculate definite squares and how I determine squares from oppositions and uh, bad conjunctions or what I call bad or hard conjunctions. So um, there's definitely a lot to really cover when it comes down to that. But even though it gets technical, as I said, hang in there. I will definitely break it down to bite-sized chunks for you. And hopefully tonight and or today, I'm actually recording at night. So so tonight or today, whichever time you are listening to, we can have some fun when it comes down to squares and sinistry. So before I begin with squares... And I know this is going to seem like a really simple, very kind of banal sort of question, but just bear with me for a moment. There is a method to my madness. So one thing I'd just like you guys to do before we get into squares is, so we've all had a situation where we haven't gotten along with somebody, whether it be a coworker, whether it be a family member whether it be a sibling, whether it be a stranger out on the street. And I know that there are some signs, Libra and Pisces, I'm talking to you. 
I know there are some signs that like to say, oh, well, there's no conflict in my world. I'm conflict-free. And that's where I say we're not conflict-free. We all get into disagreements. So one thing I'd like you to do is set aside the I'm conflict-free for those of you who are prone to that. And just remember a time where you may have had a disagreement or you had a disagreement with somebody. And just reflect on how that person had annoyed you, either at home or at work or on the street. And what were the dynamics at play, really? Was it a situation where there could have been a third point of view? And yes, even Libra and Pisces, we do get into fights sometimes. So could there have been a third point of view that were at play? Uh, could you have reacted differently? Could there have been something that could have been resolved first or something that could, you know, another insight that could have been encompassed when it came to this? And also, how easy was it to facilitate the annoyance? Was it pretty easy? Did it get into a battlefield? Was it pretty hard? So, as I said, because there's a method to my madness. So, the first thing that I like to say when it comes to squares is that, and the reason why I have you reflect on somebody annoying you, is that squares basically are those angles where two or more planets are getting on each other's nerves. See? Told you. There's a method to my madness right here. So it's basically either one or more planets, they're just, they are getting on each other's nerves. Um, and obviously that's where, so when it comes down to the archetypes of the planets, there are beneficial aspects of the archetypes and then there's the shadow side. So because squares are considered to be hard angles in astrology, because of those hard angles, the shadow side of those planets are coming out. So and what I mean by the shadow side, I mean where they get into their annoying tendencies. And yes, planets can have annoying tendencies too. Basically, when it comes down to the technicalities, it's where a square is where the planets are exactly 90 degrees apart. So the way that I calculate this, like I said, before you get out the protractors, the way that I calculate this is that every house is 30 degrees, and I say at least three houses away. So if there are two planets that are three houses from each other, that would constitute a square. And that's definitely, I think that, that's like my easiest way to calculate that. Um, and, and of course, within the chart too, uh, thank goodness for the software that we do have, what you would have is a red line that also connects between those two planets to indicate that hard square aspect right there. But because these two planets, or sometimes it's more, like sometimes it can be up to like four or five planets as we saw, as we had seen in 2020 with that grand stellium outside of Capricorn. Um, there were times where that grand, there, the planets in that grand stellium formed squares, even though there were like five planets that were there, but they'd form squares with one other individual planet. 
outside their grouping. So, I mean, it can, it can be up to as many planets as much as possible. But again, they're exactly that 90 degrees apart. But again, because they're that 90 degrees apart, the annoyance that the planets are going through can be more like they're in a battlefield where they're, where they're behind a specific fort or they're where they, where they're kind of behind their specific shields and they kind of have their own little room away from the planet that is getting on their nerves. So in that regard with squares, there is a lot, a lot of astrologers state this and I kind of, I do tend to agree with this. There is a lot of opportunity to reconcile the energies of the planets that are kind of getting on each other's nerves or that are at odds with each other to where there is a definite solution. So that's always the the good news about squares. And it's, it's unlike a hard conjunction. Hard conjunctions can be basically it's, it's two planets. So conjunctions are basically where two or more planets are really in each other's personal intimate spaces. And I don't care what anyone has to say. I don't, I don't care how, how agreeable anybody has to say, but when somebody's in my intimate space, I know I get really grouchy really fast. And there are di- with the plants, there's like differing levels of how they kind of get grouched out or weirded out in some cases when it comes to conjunctions. So um, where there can be a battlefield and it can be far more intense when it comes to a hard conjunction. Again, the good news with that square is there's that, at least there's that space. So it's kind of like when two people get into conflict and there's space between them and they can move at will away from the person who is starting the conflict. It's kind of it's kind of similar here when it comes to the energies of two planets, especially in the synastry chart or the composite chart. So with that said, the one thing I, you know, you know me, I love to give examples. So when it comes to the plants getting on each other's nerves, so like say that we have Venus squared the moon, like say just in someone's chart, somebody's has a Venus placement that is squared their moon. So the dynamics that are going on right here is that obviously the shadow side, so the moon on its nice side brings about intuition, what makes us feel whole inwardly, what makes us feel at Zen inside of us. At its shadow side, it causes emotional disruptions. So already um, the shadow side or just oversensitivity as well too. With Venus where uh, its great side is promoting romantic relationships as well as social relationships, possibly good financial opportunities. The downside is it's an all or nothing. So Venus can be like, hey, you can have a wealth of these opportunities or you can just forget it. So when it usually comes down to Venus squared the moon, what's going on is that either... Venus is kind of restricting in that situation. It also depends on which signs these planets are in. I'm going to give the hypotheticals like say that Venus is in Virgo and the moon is in uh, Sagittarius. So where the moon's tendency wants to be in an adventure or in a an area where the mind is being expanded 
and they want this person particularly wants these opportunities inwardly and they want these these adventures inwardly for themselves venus and virgo is kind of providing a bit of a conflict in that regard you know in the regard that usually to go on adventures or to expand your mind you need other people involved and Venus in Virgo has been known to be very aloof when it comes to other people and very restrictive when it comes to other people. It's like, whoa, hold on, caution tape up here. Uh, I don't know you and I need to get to know you first before we move forward. So obviously this sort of situation would be very frustrating for an individual to to undergo. It's definitely a tug of war almost of sorts when it comes internally. Uh one thing that I do and of course the planets what they're what they're enacting here is with Venus it's like oh Moon, you're get, I'm seeing that you're getting emotional. I'm seeing that you're getting a little sensitive. And gee, you're kind of getting disagreeable with me. Well, looks like I had a social opportunity, but oops, it's gone. Bye. And then, of course, uh, the moon in turn is how can you do this to me? And then acting obviously over over emotionally uh, when it comes to that situation, possibly expressing loads of frustration in return. The best way I feel to kind of repair this sort of situation in the chart is really when it comes to the moon in Sagittarius, as much as that person wants to go on adventures, they want to explore new things, particularly socially with other people, there is a reason why Venus and Virgo is halting in all those activities. And it, it might not be clear and apparent right when at, from the get-go because, of course, the emotions and the inward nature is clouding the judgment here. But, you know, maybe with Venus and Virgo, it's saying, whoa, halt, I don't know you. Because when it comes to that person who want the other person who wants to go on the adventure, that other person could be a murderer who could lead you off a cliff. Or that other person may not have your best interests in mind when it comes to learning a new subject, and they may be prone to gaslighting you, or they may be prone to putting your head through a head trip because they're kind of malicious that way. Or even worse, like with my astrology class with my with one of my teachers, I actually took an astrology class with a teacher where she was big about, you know, pegging, trying to peg me against my own mother. I mean, uh, again, that Venus and Virgo placement, it, that halting is to help protect you from being exposed and vulnerable to malicious situations. Well, that doesn't mean that Venus is going to get off the hook either. With Venus and Virgo, it would be nice if you don't always restrict. While, you ha while Venus and Virgo has that nice you know, kind of, it, it has its better half in mind, or it has the moon's better half in mind in trying to thwart possible threats. Don't be so suspicious all the time. You know, sometimes you can screen somebody while you're with them and being in that social interaction with them. And furthermore, um, also you can help, you can kind of use those insights a little bit more 
Um, and even though, as I've said, using those insights a bit more, you can also use some of the intuitive insights that the moon lends to really, again, make an overall decision as to how you feel, as well as to how, what you're discerning when it comes to this individual character. Now, if I were to read this or see this in somebody's chart, so we, we kind of weighed like how the two planets are getting on each other's nerves and the, the two sides of this disagreement when it comes to the squares. So when I, it comes to this person's chart, when I would see something like this, I would say, make sure that the emotional side, despite the fact that's in Sagittarius and Sagittarius can be a very, very low key, very chill sort of sign. I would just say, make sure that emotional tendencies are at bay when it comes to social situations and make sure that somebody who is socializing with you, and I I wouldn't just say social situations, but also romantic situations, make sure that whoever you are involved with, with does not tip the scales or that you're not prone to having that person tip the scales because that emotional, that heavy emotional nature can cloud that relationship potential there. Also, if it's Venus and Virgo as well to make sure that, you know, you're not in a situation where you have that hard shell with outside yourself, where you, again, you're protecting yourself so thoroughly that you're not allowing yourself to be vulnerable to people. Sometimes as much as it's scary to be vulnerable to people, I know my Venus placement is in Virgo myself, but as much as it's hard to be vulnerable, sometimes it is necessary when it comes to any sort of a relationship. And that can be a romantic relationship, a friendship, or even a partnership. You know, sometimes you just need to be vulnerable. Sometimes you need to have those moments where you need to reach out to somebody and be able to reach out to somebody. Um, and also, too, those vulnerable moments make people feel a little more closer to you as well. So that's just like a little taste of a square in a nutshell. Before I get into the sinistry aspect, I just wanted to kind of share with you what Heather Ariel had uh, mentioned. So Heather Ariel is the author. So Stargazers, if you guys have not checked out this deck, and I think I raved about this in an earlier episode, but I absolutely love her fundamentals. It's called the Fundamentals of Astrology. It's her Oracle deck. It is the best. I have, I mean, that's like the go-to Oracle deck for me out of how many Oracle decks do I have in my own room right now? There's that and also the, and, and also mudras as well too, but the mudras are more like flashcards for me as to which mudra I could, or hand seal I could actually do in meditation, but with the Fundamentals of Astrology Oracle deck, I love it because it's very multicultural. It really presents all aspects from the 12 signs in the zodiacal wheel to all the houses, everything about astrology, it really presents very well. And above all, when it comes down to an oracle reading, it really gives some nice insights as well, too. And again, um, oracle reading, that's usually um, the cards kind of impart to a positive message 
Whereas unlike with tarot or something like tarot or the Lenormand, it's giving you that really upfront message as well too. So I, I recommend that if you do decide on an Oracle deck, definitely check out Heather Ariel's deck as well too. But the other thing that I like about her deck is she has a booklet that imparts some astrological information and that I usually like to compare my notes to. But one thing that she had mentioned was a good analogy of a square that I just really like to reflect upon. So what she had said is that a square is basically like a stone door that you're trying to open. Now, obviously, as with all stone doors, it's kind of heavy. It's kind of hard to push open when it comes to pushing that door open and gaining some insights. However, um, sometimes that stone door can have locks on it, and that can depend on how bad the square can be. So we'll get into this in just a moment, but sometimes um, there are such things as easy squares. So the example up above with Venus and the moon is actually considered to be an easy square because Venus, being agreeable, gives more insights into how this particular hard aspect can work out. There are also some hard squares, however, that can feel like that stone door has some padlocks on there and some locks on the padlocks on there as well, too, where it can be a little more difficult to maneuver. Uh, Pluto squared the moon would be one of those squares, actually. But um, even though there's padlocks, that stone door is really heavy, over time, you can easily work those padlocks free. You can work those locks free. You can work these restrictions free to where you can open that door and gain those insights into what's needed for your own personal relationship with yourself if you're considering the natal chart. But in the regard of synastry, it helps to unlock the potential of the relationship that is unfolding, despite the fact that there might be some rough patterns ahead. So going into synastry here. So within synastry, what squares mean? So whereas in the general chart where squares would mean those potential kind of disagreements inside yourself, that tug of war inside yourself that you're kind of alleviating and you're kind of struggling with and alleviating as much as you possibly can to become a more whole person. In the synastry chart or your composite chart, squares indicate where that wonderful, blissful relationship that you think that you're having, it might be interrupted a little bit. Again, it also depends on the square a little a little bit too. It depends on the two planets that are squared each other as well. So keep that in mind. So if you like say if you should have like maybe the sun squared Venus, you know, most of the personal planets, I'd say the personal planets up to Mars. If you have mainly just personal planets that are squared, those are easy squares that can be easily resolved. If you have anything like Mars or like Saturn or Pluto, those guys are a little harder to resolve. Jupiter can be a little easier too, as well to a square with Jupiter can be easier to resolve. Um, sometimes, sometimes Neptune, it just depends on how, you know, depends on the planets uh, configured and just depends when it comes to Neptune. 
But yeah, like Mars or Pluto, that's definitely a harder aspect to deal with. But again, it would be potential, the, you know, the square would indicate where potential fights or disruptions or annoyances would occur in the relationship. So if we were to take Pluto squared the moon, again, for example, and you're going to have to forgive me, stargazers, but um, so on Saturday, I was out out flat with a migraine. So about like two days ago, I was out flat with a migraine. I really couldn't look at anything. I couldn't look at any sort of screens. I was just kind of lying back and just kind of listening to things as well. It was actually Friday into Friday evening into Saturday. I just remember that Friday evening, I just, I couldn't look at anything without my head blaring. And I was just kind of sitting back and lying back and listening. And I ended up putting uh, own on television and listening to the program put a ring on it which is actually interesting it's an interesting program um interesting reality show as well mainly the gist of it is that three couples are coming to a counselor for help and what happens is not only are those the struggles discussed openly but each person in each couple gets to go out on a date with someone else. So basically they leave their long-term partner for a time, go on a date with someone else. And it's kind of a test for that other partner to see how well they kind of handle their cool when it comes to their other partner. Personally, stargazers, I don't know if I would do that with a couple myself and in introducing another person into the relationship because there were there have been a couple of cases on put a ring on it where some trouble starts to brew. But anyway, um, in this particular situation, there was one young lady who was set up on a date and she had a great time. She came home, this the date gave her flowers. She came home, she was in a great elated mood and she was ready to, to discuss things with her partner. Her partner in turn took one look at the bouquet and I think all I could do, I, all I could hear, I could just hear that he could take one, he took one look at the bouquet, snatched it up out of her hands. And yes, you can kind of hear these things. It's kind of interesting what, what you can discern when your eyes don't, are not available. But uh, yeah, he snatched the bouquet up. He said, oh my God, this is ridiculous. How dare you accept flowers from this guy, threw them in the trash. As if that was not enough, he turned to his partner and literally said, how dare you defy me in accepting this date? How dare you defy me in accepting these flowers from this date? And furthermore, told his wonderful partner-to-be to go take a shower. And when I heard that, that was where I remember I lifted up the ice bag off of my eyes. I'm like, what? What is going on here? But uh, the reason why I mentioned put a ring on it in this particular gentleman is that this was definitely the epitome of a Pluto placement. This guy definitely had a heavy Pluto placement in his chart. Pluto is definitely how, especially the how dare you defy me. Pluto is definitely concerned when it comes down to power and power hunger. And this guy had it in spades. 
And of course, with his partner, she had to, the poor young lady had to just say, you know what? I don't respect the fact that you just said that I need to go take a shower. You need to go simmer down, which I thought was a good protocol, but it looked like she had a personal planet such as the moon because she kept saying, you know, I feel that you're being disrespectful to me. You need to stop and you need to go simmer down. And then in therapy, she also mentioned, I felt disregarded. I felt cheap. I felt used. I felt like he was insinuating this. And, um, you know, again, the moon has that, you know, the touchy, that's definitely the touchy feeling that I feel. But I, I mentioned to put a ring on it because not only was this guy an epitome of Pluto, but we had an epitome of Pluto squared the moon, which in this instance and relationship, a lot of power struggles. That's what's really indicated the most. Now with the Pluto person, um, with put a ring on it, what I liked about the therapist is she had to remind the Pluto person, the guy, the gentleman, that this is not about control or this exercise was not about control. I was actually surprised the young lady decided to stay with this guy despite how he treated her. Personally, if it were me, I would have taken a second date with the other guy and possibly would have ended the relationship right then and there. But she decided to stay with this guy. I, I would say, bless her. That's really awesome. Um, and of course, with the moon situation there, I mean, I think there there might have been also a lot of closeness as well too, to her partner. But um, really, when it comes down to Pluto squared the moon, Pluto people need to really dig in deep when it comes to the control and the power tendencies. And in this relationship, what I would recommend with that Pluto person is dig in deep to where you're almost digging into childhood and see why you're gravitating towards trying to dominate your partner. For the moon person, the moon person's responsibility, I feel, would be keep that Pluto person's foot over the fire a lot of the time when they're starting to dig into power issues. Don't accept it. Don't believe it. Don't let them gaslight you. Don't let them, you know, make you feel or think in a particular way when it's really not there. When you see something that's not good, that, that's happening, call it out. When you see that your partner is not being 100% supportive, call it out. I feel like when you call, the more that you call it out, the more that the relationship can grow. And again, with that Pluto person, I, you know, I also remind Pluto, you know, people who have Pluto squared the moon or a personal planet, I remind that Pluto person, look, Pluto is not just all about power and control. It's also about transformation too. It just depends on how, how evolved you are in that energy. You can always transmute that power to transformation. But that usually takes everything that goes on inside your head and inside your heart and also your motivation as to how well you want to make the relationship work out. And so, as I've said, getting deep into those issues, uncovering why you feel the need to control would be very key and tantamount and crucial. And also Pluto people can be very deep lovers and also can be very um, informative lovers at that too, because their depth and knowledge and the probing, uh, you know, their probing minds uh, definitely cultivate a depth and a knowledge and a wisdom that a lot of other people 
would not have. Um, actually, Pluto in our charts cultivates that wisdom that normally many people shy away from. So you would definitely have a lot of depth and a lot of devotion waiting there for you when you transform to the transformative side of that planet as well, too. But definitely the Pluto squared the moon would definitely be something where it would be very challenging, very hard, and it would take time. You know, kind of like with put a ring on it, this, this guy definitely, he noticed that he was not acting very well. And it was, uh, it's obviously, it was something that would take time for him to uncover and transform really when it came to the relationship. And then of course, for the young lady keeping the Pluto person responsible or keeping that guy responsible to his commitment, I think is also a big, big portion of that. The other point that I mentioned when it comes to sinistry would be where conflict forms or both persons have differing views. And it's usually with a square and an agree to disagree I also added to that this is where, so if we look at our planets as being the organic part of our personalities in our charts, I would say that the planets are kind of like our idiosyncrasies and it's, you know, the squares indicate how those idiosyncrasies are grading on each person's nerves. You know, um, the fact that one person is very, you know, so with uh, Mercury squared the moon, for instance, the fact that one person is very chatty and communicative could really grate on that person's, the moon person's nerves in the regard that they might want to have some peace and quiet in the, in the home, especially if they have some emotional issues to digest. Maybe um, somebody who also has mercury squared mercury, um, they the chattiness of both partners would grate on each other's nerves because it's very too similar to each other. Both persons are just extremely chatty. And ironically, even though you're even though both persons would be very similar, again it it would grate on each other's nerves, definitely. And you know, similarities can also grate on each other's nerves. The one thing where I like to kind of say where when the conflict forms when it's differing views and also idiosyncrasies is that, again, this is a place where couples can really open up. So when it comes to the idiosyncrasies that grate on each other's nerves, when we are in a relationship, we're dealing with just two different people. And that's reflected in astrology within the composite chart as much as it's reflected in life. It's just what what is when we agree to have a partnership with somebody. But again, um, just because somebody's idiosyncrasies drive you nuts doesn't mean that you need to control them or that you need to get on top of them for it. No, it's usually a place, I, I feel like that square in the chart is usually a place where you can open up discussion, uh, like what other things can be considered or what other, um, like if there's, chattiness going on with the idiosyncrasies, that's where both persons can open up to each other and indicate why they're feeling so chatty and how they can have a mandatory rule to agree that one person can work on listening while the other person chats. 
And then the other person can work on listening while the other person chats and maybe have like a system in place with the chattiness. Or if it's one person desires silence while the other person's extremely chatty, you know, maybe that other person, whether they're desiring silence, maybe sacrifice the silence for a little bit, listen to your partner, but then indicate to your partner when you've had enough. And also with the partner who's pretty chatty, you know, respect your partner when they've had enough, um, when it comes down to that, to that chattiness as well, too. Again, the more that you open the lines of communication and again, respect each other, I feel the more that these squares between planets can resolve themselves and deepen and also make the relationship far stronger and far more powerful. Also, relationships help us to grow as individuals. So there are some growth points when we're dealing with another person's idiosyncrasies as well, too. The same is with differing views. Um, again, we deal with different people, so we might deal with differing political, like sociopolitical, as well as political viewpoints when it comes to the individual. So again, having a way to learn how to accept and hold those viewpoints in a tender way, but yet also having a, you know what, we agree to disagree because here's what I believe. But having both partners kind of Again, respect themselves, but also respect the other person, I think is really ideal. And again, opening up to where you can come to that nice balance. So with that said, I decided to do it. So kind of, um, I've been experimenting with this with the last couple of episodes, but when it comes to the sample chart, I've been trying to embed that within the content and I decided to try that this week. So with this said, um, a great example for me is if, if, okay, so this is very wishful thinking. If I should be in a relationship with Crispin Glover. Now, if you guys are not familiar with Crispin Glover, I highly recommend Definitely see Back to the Future, where he played the very weird oddball George McFly. Definitely check out Bartleby as well, too, where he definitely, that was definitely a very interesting independent movie where his most famous, you know, um, the Bartleby's most famous line is, I prefer not to when asked to do his job. So it's definitely like a weird office space sort of movie. And I would also say definitely check him out in American Gods, where he plays World. I think it's like either Mr. World or World. That's definitely where he definitely stretches acting chops. And there are several other roles where he definitely stretches his acting chops, but mostly he plays a lot of oddballs. And I think that's what makes me kind of drawn to him as an actor anyway. I kind of seem to be drawn to eccentric people in general. But uh, definitely when it comes down to Crispin Glover, one thing that kind of um, stood out to me was, you know, even though his moon is in Leo and that's where my son's position is. So definitely we would have, I would understand him emotionally. So I'd understand him to the depths of his core, just as much as the depths of his core could understand me when it comes to my external persona. And while his son's position could and could not get along with my son's position, 
Um, but yeah, his moon's position definitely gets along with my moon's position as well, too. My moon's position being in Libra, where I would see, I like to see fairness. I like to garner fairness and I don't like drama. That would really agree with his Leo, inward Leo personality, where he probably would not want to have drama and also want to take charge and want to take the lead without any sort of resistance in that matter. Um, you know, some, I would say that with his son's position, it's kind of interesting because that he's zero degree Taurus. So he's definitely a in Taurus on the cusp of Aries. So his son's position could work two ways. It could get along with my sun sign or it can be squared my sun sign. When getting along, we could definitely, I could definitely respect the fact that he would have ideas that need to be played into motion while he would could respect my viewpoints of wanting to take charge in certain situations as well too. But if it's squared and it's he's definitely more leaning into that Taurus mode. So the Taurus mode would be big about um, manifesting money and success, especially when it comes to Crispin Glover. He's an actor, he's a writer, he's a musician. So anything where somebody can successfully manifest something creatively into money would be very appealing to him. And that would be his anchor. Really, again, our sun signs are kind of like our anchor. That'd be kind of an anchor for him. The unfortunate situation for me is that, well, I have a lot of great ideas when it comes to manifesting creativity, but sometimes they turn into big old honking flops. And that's where I feel like that square position between our suns could cause some friction. And the that could really cause some annoyance on his part and some impatience. Also, in turn, I could become rather defensive um, in his questions and his probes when it comes to, oh, gee, why are you not manifesting this creative project into money? You know, I don't think that you're serious enough. You know, I mean, it, it could definitely cause a disagreement there. The way that this could work out is... Again, um, if I were to put down my Leo pride, which by the way, it's even with the moon in Libra, I'm going to just say this much. I putting down my Leo pride is hard. It's hard to swallow it down. It's hard to swallow that bitter pill down. It's hard to let my defenses down a lot of the time. I even find it's hard to let my defenses down to ask questions at times too, or I, you know, sometimes it's a situation where I, I just, like I said, just, I, I just find it very hard to let my defenses down. Um, I, I just, I have that pride. I want to be strong. I want to be successful and be, you know, there without complaints as much as possible. And with Crispin Glover, however, I would say that having to put that pride aside and say to him, you know what? When it comes to my songwriting, when it comes to my screenplay writing, I'm having a lot of trouble putting, you know, kind of bringing this out into the world. There seems to be a disconnect, especially with my screenplays as well. It's like I have finished screenplays. I drag my feet when it comes to editing, but I'm having a lot of trouble getting out of the editing process and bringing that out into the world. 
whether it be insecurities about whether or not the screenplay is really good, um, to also just the mundane of editing. Editing can be very difficult sometimes too. So it's like I do have some ba- barriers when it comes to bringing the the uh, uh, create, creative out into the world. I feel my podcast is the only thing where I don't have too much of that barrier when it comes down to that. But uh, I also would have to admit to him, it's like, look, I also have trouble making money when it comes to creativity, when it comes to the creative sphere. I'm used to going to work, getting a paycheck, and I'm used to that. I'm used to the the normal lifestyle of every Jane Doe out there. So, I mean, having to admit that would be admitting a vulnerability. And I would say with Crispin Glover, having to put that Torian pride aside, because Torians can have some pride, but, you know, um, kind of leaning more into the Venus aspect of Taurus, they could probably hold that vulnerability and be able to help, you know, with their practical knowledge and their earthy knowledge as well, especially in how to manifest creative projects into doable money-making goals, he could probably help me with that and really have some resources to back up with that. And also, again, with his Leo moon, he would probably understand, okay, maybe there's a problem, there's some sort of problem with motivation or there's a problem with A, B, C, or D and be able to pinpoint that exactly to where it it can be resolved. In turn, too, um, there might be times where Crispin Glover could be really rather inflexible, could be rather stubborn. And again, um, same thing with a Leo moon. We could be very, like I said, I could be very inflexible and stubborn. But having, um, having him kind of lessen the inflexibility and the stubbornness to also open up because I know Torians are very shy to open up their soft inner bellies to just about anybody when it comes to, um, it just comes to relationships in general. So being able to also let his Torian pride kind of slide away and his reticence and be able to open up to me if I were, like I said, again, if I were in a relationship with him, that would be also another challenging aspect. But again, I feel like these would be points of areas where both persons could open up, have conversations, and deepen the relationship. Another area that I had seen within the chart deals with the generational planets. He has Uranus conjunct Pluto, whereas I have Uranus conjunct Jupiter. However, they are both squared. Both positions are squared. What I see with this is that with Crispin Glover, when it comes to his socioeconomic and political viewpoints, he is very set in his ways due to that Pluto placement. And again, as with most Gen Xers, saying something really off the wall, very quirky in order to gain power, most of the time they're probably thinking that they're trying to get to elicit transformation, transform the society around them but sometimes it's also an attempt to gain power that can disagree with my Uranus placement where yes, I can have some quirky views, but I like to, I would like to think that with that Jupiter conjunction, I remain very open-minded 
especially when it comes to political or socioeconomic viewpoints. And again, that open-mindedness could drive him insane because he likes to be concrete. Conversely, same thing with him. I could be rather disturbed by the fact that he's very convict. His convictions are very strong. Again, where this could also benefit, you know, again, this the, where the square could open up is that when it comes to the political convictions, maybe some of his convictions could help me to not be so broad and not be so open-minded and have something to consider, have like one point to consider out of how many viewpoints to consider. And then also me, I would like to think that my broad and open-minded viewpoints could be something that you know, could expand his horizons a little bit more so that he's not so rigid in his political or socioeconomic positions. Well, Stargazers, I really hope that that example helped. Even though it was between me and Crispin Glover, like I said, again, a very wishful thinking sort of relationship, but uh, nonetheless. So, Again, um, when it comes down to squares, but I always just like to impart more than anything, there's compromises, places to, places to open up to each other. And again, places where both people can be vulnerable when it comes to the idiosyncrasies of, you know, when it comes to our organic natures and idiosyncrasies. Um, there were lots of places in Crispin Glover's chart, and actually it seemed like there were a lot of places with me where I seemed to open up, especially with the having trouble manifesting um, creative projects out into the real world and having to admit that in a relationship or having sometimes too, I, I'm not going to lie. There are times where I feel I'm not very successful as I should be. And again, that would be another vulnerable place to open up in a relationship. But again, um, all with all composite charts and with all squares these are places where you can be vulnerable. You guys can be open. And squares, instead of being limiting opportunities or limiting places where it's like, oh, you know, Pluto conjunct moon, oh, we're doomed. We're not going to have a relationship. No, not at all. That That's not at all what a square means. What a square means is like, yes, you might have this disagreement in the relationship, but there are lots of places where you guys could open up. And you know what? Possibly within those disagreements, I hate to sound like I, I dwell on the negative. I really don't. But within those, those sticky parts of that chart, you guys could really open up and you guys can have a lot of great conversations of where you are envisioning your relationship of going and how to make that work or how to make those compromises to make that work for each other as well, too. So in that way, I mean, it can be very, again, because the distance of both planets or the distance of the planets being that 90 degrees, there is some distance and some hope when it comes to those disagreements and those, those sticky situations. So stargazers down to our favorite part of the show, which is what have we learned when it comes down to squares? As I mentioned earlier, and I just like to mention again, these are places to be vulnerable and open up in relationships. These are not places that are just doomed to fail. And also, solutions take time. 
in a relationship. Um, patience and persistence are key when dealing with squares. And I think that that's also something that can be said within relationships as a whole. But, you know, the, the solutions with these squares, they don't just boom, automatically resolve themselves within a day. You know, kind of like with the example, if I were having a relationship with Crispin Glover, if I were to say, you know, I'm having some trouble that, you know, of manifesting creative projects into reality, he would have to be patient enough to give a number of options to improve upon and possibly give me a number of opportunities to improve. Um, conversely, I would have to be very open to the fact that he's not always willing to be very open in relationships, that he does have a re, you know that, that Torian reserve, wherever that Torian reserve may have arisen as well too. So with that Torian reserve, I'd have to be patient with him and not nag him all the time, but yet also just while being patient, just really convey that, uh, yes, I do care. Yes, I'm here whenever you need me and just be willing and open for that. And that also stating like, you know, with the political convictions too, you know, being um, really very patient um, to deal with these political convictions, which were garnered over time as well too. But Squares don't resolve itself within a day. It does take, they do take time and it takes a multiple of tries within a relationship. I think it's, that happens with any relationship that takes a multiple tries and a multiple times to kind of get it right. And, you know, even successful married couples would probably even say, Hey, we're still working with our squares. You know, what our astrologers would say would be our squares or these, these disagreements as well. I wouldn't be surprised if like, say Lisa Rinna and Harry Hamlin, um, actually have still have discussions as to Harry being way too controlling of Lisa Rinna. I'm sure Lisa ha still has discussions with him about being overly restrictive, overly controlling, especially when it comes to finances uh, between the two of them. And also when it just comes to him himself, you know, just being overly restrictive as well, too. Um, like I said, again, it's something that that's always there's always something to discuss and compromise over time. Well, Stargazers, I hope this episode on beginning the angles, this episode on squares, was very helpful for you and very informative for you. If you guys have questions or comments, please feel free to reach out at either at Sandra.Misek, M-I-S-E-K, on my Instagram page, or at Misek.Sandra at gmail.com with my email. Also, feel free to check out my Patreon page, Stargazers. I am telling you, I what would normally be a 100, over $100 worth of a service when it comes down to a Sinistry chart and booklet, I am willing to give that to you for free when you guys become a member. And then when you guys become a member, you help support the show, which is always a win-win situation there. So check out my Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash seventh house astrology all the way around stargazers do not be afraid to look up at the stars orion's belt is officially in the western half of the sky which means spring is definitely here 
I love this time of the year. So that's definitely a big up for me, big rose. But above all, just don't be afraid to look up at the stars as well, too. They, they, they are the origins of astrology. Um, and also they just gain a, a wonderful clarity with us. Above all stargazers between now and next week, I hope you guys are well. And until then, I will see you next week.